I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hello and welcome to the Lead with Impact podcast. My name is Brian, and I am happy to have you along for the ride today. Now, in today's episode, we're going to finish up talking about the Gallup 12. The Gallup 12 are those 12 questions that the Gallup organization found to be the best measures of employee engagement and highly profitable companies. So they looked at the top performing companies and they found that what they had in common was a team of people who could answer positively to these 12 questions. So we talked about the first six questions a couple of episodes ago, and today we're going to do the second six questions. And the first one we're going to talk about today, question seven, is at work, do your opinions seem to count? We all want to be heard, and so it's not surprising that when we respond positively to that, productivity goes up. But why is it exactly? Well, think about the opposite. Think about situations where your voice isn't heard and what can come from that. Imagine a situation in a company, for instance, where management is perceived not to listen to the concerns of staff. What's the eventual result of that? Well, first of all, there's going to be animosity between camps, right? Especially on the staff side. They're going to be angrier and angrier. They're going to feel like they're not heard and they're going to start to shut down. It can also create a situation where team members feel like they are being asked to make broken systems work. So maybe they've been handed a system or a procedure and they know there's a better way to do it. And they know the way they've been given takes X amount of time, but if they could do it according to their idea, they could do it half the time. But people won't listen to them, nobody will sign off, and so they're stuck using the old system. And that's just one small example as to what can happen when people feel their opinions don't count. And nobody's going to stay engaged in that kind of situation. And the beauty of being able to answer this in a positive way, in other words, where employees feel that their opinions do count, is that pays off twice. It pays off twice because the company is open to good ideas and they will find good ideas in sometimes areas they don't expect them. And secondly, it pays off because the staff engagement increases when people know they're listened to. When they know good ideas are valued, they're going to start coming up with them. They're going to be unafraid to speak their mind, and they're going to be always thinking about new ideas. So it really just opens it up for all sorts of progress and increases people's commitment to the job. Question number eight, does the mission or purpose of your company make you feel your job is important? Now, this is an unusual question in a way because it has nothing to do with the tasks of the job. So it doesn't have anything to do with procedures or policies or anything like that. It's all the mission of the company. And it really comes down to an emotional need. 
You know, we're all looking for meaning in our employment. You might not think about it, but we all are. When somebody asks us where we work, we want to be able to be proud of the answer, don't we? We want to be able to look them in the eye and be happy with our response when somebody asks, where do you work? We all want meaning. We all want to be proud of what we do to some extent. And there is no such thing as a meaningless job if you tie it into a bigger mission. So no matter what the job, if you look at the bigger mission and can tie it in to the bigger mission, it has meaning, it has purpose, and it is easier to become engaged with it. If I'm a janitorial staff at a company I believe in and I believe in the mission, my job is no longer necessarily about janitorial duties. It is about the bigger mission. It's just one example. Nothing wrong with that job. And if you look at it that way, it's easy to see how you could connect it and really find meaning in doing that job, no matter what it is, because you're bought into the mission. And the opposite is true. No matter what the job, if you don't buy into the mission, there's no way you're going to give it 100%. And multiply that by a large number of employees at a company, and you can start to see how detrimental it is when people can't answer this question, that they do buy into the mission and purpose of their company. Question number nine, are your associates or fellow employees committed to doing quality work? Now, this is a this is a controversial one. Not quite as controversial as our next question, but this is up there because we're going to talk about a sensitive issue here. And that is the fact that you and I know this to be true. Almost any organization is going to have a share of people who are mailing it in. They're watching the clock. They're there for the paycheck. We might even call them slackers. We want to use that term, but they're skating by. And you know, when you have somebody like that on your team, we all do, right? So imagine when the team at whole starts to get the perception that there are no consequences to slacking. There are no consequences to skating by. And fingers start to be pointed. What's the end effect going to be? High performers are going to shut down because they're going to start to see there's no benefit for performing better than the people who are skating by and the productivity of your team is going to shrink. It's just going to fall. We all say teamwork is a multiplier, and it can be. Uh, two and two can equal five with a great team, but on teams of slackers, two and two can equal three. And there's going to be a detrimental effect on the company. Now, here we go. Are you ready for the most controversial question of all? Question number 10. Do you have a best friend at work? Now, if you read the Gallup studies, they will say when they roll out these 12 questions, this is the one that people fight back against every time. Do you have a best friend at work? People will fight against that one because we've all heard work is work, personal is personal, don't bring personal to work, leave your personal life at the door. And so when you start talking about having a best friend at work, people start to get really, really nervous, even to the point where many of the companies that Gallup worked with would try to leave this question out and pretend it wasn't there. And they'd say, you know, there's really only 11 questions, not 12, because <laughs> they didn't want to talk about this question. And 
Gallup will tell you they would be happy to leave this question off too, except for one thing. It has been proven to be an accurate predictor of performance. When staff at a company can answer this question in a positive way, do you have a best friend at work? Productivity is higher every single time. Why? Because there's social bonds. It's an extra little incentive for us to give us give our best. Because if you think about it, none of us want to look bad in front of our friends. If we have friends at work, if we have emotional ties, we're just going to be motivated to do a little bit more. And we're going to have positive peer pressure, so to speak, not to do bad things, not to slack off or even worse. In fact, there was one study that was done that showed when companies can answer this question positively, do you have a best friend at work? Shrinkage, which is a nice word for theft, shrinks. <laughs> Shrinkage shrinks. Theft goes down. Why? Because people don't want to steal from their friends. So when you have those connections, people tend to be on their best behavior. They give more and they are on their worst behavior much, much less. So do you have a best friend at work? Now you might think it with all these questions, how can I make this happen? And we have not really talking about that in this episode. How can we enable the conditions for these questions to be answered positively? But this is a really curious one because you might think, how can I make somebody have a best friend at work? I can't, I can't make Jim and Steve be friends. I just can't do it. And you're right. You can't. But you can start to create an environment where it could happen. You can start to create a culture and environment where such a thing isn't discouraged. And people spend more time with each other and these friendships will start to form. All right, question number 11. In the last six months, has someone at work talked to you about your progress? Well, here we go. I could do a whole episode on this one. This one touches on something that all of us probably who have been in the workplace have an opinion about, and that is the annual performance review. Do you like annual performance reviews? If you do, you are in the minority, I'll tell you. Most people can't stand annual performance reviews. This is coming from somebody who has been on both sides of them many, many, many times. Most employees don't like to go through a performance review. It feels awkward. You feel like you're being judged many times. And big secret, most managers don't like doing performance reviews. It's a lot of work, and you've got to put a lot of preparation into it. And some of them don't. But why are we talking about performance reviews? Because that, many times, is where we have been taught or guided to think that we should talk to an employee about their progress. And how often do we do them? Well, they're annual performance reviews. We do them every 12 months. But what's this question say? Gallup found that the real trigger was, has someone talked to you about your progress in the last six months? So takeaway, if you're just talking to employees or people on your team once a year about their progress, it's not enough. We need to do a little bit more. And this is not to say, by the way, that you can only talk to someone about progress at a performance review. The point is you need to be talking to them about that more often, at least twice a year in a formal setting. Most of us just want to understand a few things about our job. We want to understand how we're doing. We want to understand how we're being perceived. And we want to understand where we are going. 
So if you can set aside time to talk to your team about these two things, that will go a long ways towards answering question number 11. All right, here we go. Last question of the 12. In the last year, have you had opportunities to learn and grow? Talked about this a little bit in episode 15, but what do people want out of work? Progress. You know, if you look up the word career in a dictionary, one of the definitions is career someone's progress in a chosen profession. So progress is what makes a career. Without progress, it's just a profession. Without progress, it's just a job. Progress is what really motivates us to keep going. So people need the opportunity to grow in order to really buy in. One of the ways we can encourage this is by giving people meaningful goals that will allow them to stretch their abilities. And that, by the way, is not just more of the same. It's not you made 500 widgets last year, Tom. This year you're going to make 700. That is not a meaningful goal. That is not progress. Uh, progress is a chance to do new and varied and interesting things and to be able to expand your skill set. And when we can do that, we're all more invested uh, and we all feel we're learning and growing. And imagine an organization full of people who are learning and growing together and not staying stagnant. It's not hard to see why that would be an extremely profitable and productive organization. So those are the 12, the six questions in episode 15, the six questions in this episode. If you get those 12 questions together and start thinking about how you can talk to your employees about these questions, you would be on the verge of really kickstarting employee engagement. But there's going to be some challenges. I can tell you that right now. There's going to be some hurdles and there's going to be some milestones when you start to put a program like this into place. What are they? We will talk about them in an upcoming episode. I'm running out of time today. So a couple of things to wrap up. Our quote of the day really applicable. Our quote of the day by Betty Bender is, when people go to work, they shouldn't have to leave their hearts at home. And I agree with Betty 100%. When people bring their hearts to work when they're engaged, it's better for all of us. That's it for today's episode. If you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, any of those places, please give us a like, a rating, and a review. That would be very, very meaningful. Thank you so much. And I think that's it for today's episode. Let's go out there and have a great day and lead with impact. I'll talk to you tomorrow.